Welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. Today, we tell the story of how a king was made. King Saladin, that is. And we hit the theater with the University of the Arts alum, Tiffany Barber. But first, around the Philly page, Justin, what are we doing today? What are you most looking forward to that's new in 2023? I have a couple of things, but I don't think this is cheating because it's the same place, but two very different exhibitions. So, you know, I mean, like, I feel your energy right now and it feels like it dropped, like what she's going on a tangent about. But anyway, I just, I was getting ready for the disclaimer that you already any, gave with Any hoots, magoots. My rye guy, you know, loves the Franklin Institute. And so they have a space exhibit I'm looking forward to taking him to. But then they also have Disney 100, the exhibition. And it's looking at behind the scenes, everything from Star Wars to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and, you know, costumes and just a real behind the scenes look at it. I think that's going to be very nice family oriented exhibit. That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, that does sound fun, Rachel. I'm looking forward to going to Liberty Place. I'm looking forward to the Putt Shack. Yes, you say, what is the Putt Shack? I just like saying the Putt Shack. But come summer 23, the Putt Shack will be coming to Liberty Place. It will be an upscale tech-infused mini golf experience with global food and drink. You're welcome. Uh-huh. People love to drink. And why not let them drink with their dogs? The Wait, thing their dogs can come? Or this is something new? This is a different This thing. is something new. This is oh. mine. I was segueing was from setup. the drinks. Um, my bad. That didn't travel for me. You're messing up Justin. This is really his thing. Okay. Wait till you hear this. Why? Because this is a white person thing to drink with your dogs in a dog park? I said I would never. I said it. I would never. I wanted to say it, but I would never. Let him finish. Wait a minute. Justin's about to tell us about the whitest thing there is, though. Hold on. Let's go. Bark Social and the Boozy Mutt. They're two new places opening in the city. Bark Social in Maniunk, the Boozy Mutt later in the year in Fairmount, and the restaurants and bars where you can bring your dogs. The Boozy Mutt, you can even get your pet groomed as you're Yo, eating. Shout out to Maniunk. It's perfect. It is. What's we got to get this show started before Let's we get in trouble. You, yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> Justin ain't even got no dog. I don't. <laughs> Now, y'all know Justin, Rachel, and I love a good Philly story. Well, here is a great one about a king named Saladin who would come from humble Southwest Philly beginnings. Self-taught, he would not recognize his potential as a great visual artist until a good friend pulled his coat and even still would continue a series of everyday jobs until that friend invested $4,000 into Saladin's talents. Love to JP. Well, over a decade later, the headlines speak for themselves. Gotham Magazine says he's one of 11 artists leading the country's cultural conversation. Philadelphia Citizen calls him the fearless artist and Maxim has called him the paintbrush king. If that's not enough, become overwhelmed by his momentous collaborations with the likes of the New York Stock Exchange, Neiman Marcus, wait, baseball cards, GQ magazine covers, his latest dope collabs, one with Kenya Barris for his new Netflix show, You People, and he's brought his work back to Philly at the same damn time. We were so excited. We got to see the preview for You People, the Netflix movie. Oh, Tell us. Okay, okay. Yes. Tell us, how did you get involved in that? 
Oh, man. Okay, so Kenya Barris, he started collecting my work around like 2017. One thing that I usually do is when people bless me, when I do commissions for people or we working together, I always want to meet them in person. So mm-hmm. Kenya collected maybe like one or two of my pieces. I was just like, yo, I want to fly out there. I know you're super busy, but I'm going to be in L.A. I want to take you to lunch. Let's just link up. I just got to meet you. So that happened around like 2018. And then from there, we just clicked. He's like one of my biggest collectors. So he bought a few more pieces. And then he just was like, yo, if I ever get anything that I think that you can totally fit in perfectly, I'm mm. going to put you on one of these movies. And I'm like, bro, stop. I'm like, bro, don't tell me that. You got to <laughs> do it. Tell me that. Don't say it unless you That's mean it. No Hollywood talk, right? So <laughs> six months ago, he had called me with this opportunity to work with Netflix. And he was like, I want you to do the art for the movie and I'm going to put your art in the movie. And I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. Right. So then after that, he was just like, I think you need to be a part of the marketing as well, because everything about you is just like this movie. And I'm just like, bro, whatever opportunity you throw, I'm going to knock it out the park. So that's kind of how it happened. And that was like my first time on a red carpet. And I got what was that like? It was crazy. I was like, I'm never starstruck. And I was starstruck when I seen Eddie Murphy. Yo, I was. Yo, how could you not? Right. It was perfect. So let me ask you, because I read some of your story and I love how you talk about like you're not really a gallery guy, but a lot of people don't know Philly, don't know that Philly is like the home of a lot of dope visual artists and you can go a lot of different ways. I mean, people know about mural arts and whatnot, but when you started talking about your relationship with Kenya as a collector, it made me wonder if that's how kind of your story got started in a way, like with collectors and getting the word out. And that is is that a big part of your story? So I started out doing hand painted T-shirts around like early 2000s when Mesquite. I'm, I'm sure everybody. Oh, that's right. Moving. Yeah, me leaving school around early 2001, two. I was trying to figure out like how I could do something. I played basketball, but I always did art. So around that time, I seen Mesquite. I was doing my own T-shirts, selling them out to Trump all over the city, driving to Jersey, trying to drive to New York when I could, and things like that. But basketball was like, when you get in college, it's like super political. I kept getting hurt out of nowhere. Mm. It was crazy. Where'd you go? Oh, I went to school in Kansas. Okay. I was a division one recruit, but my SAT scores were like off 20 points every time I took them. So I couldn't get my NCAA qualification. So I had to go to a junior college in Kansas. If anybody knows sports, it's like when you get recruited by really big schools and then you've got to go to junior college, it's like the biggest letdown ever. So yeah. when that happened, I was in my mind already like, I want to do something that I can control that's not based off of a test score or politics or you're just playing behind somebody that their dad is like giving money to the school. So it's like they got to play this guy in front of you. It was like a lot going on. So around that time, I was just like, yo, I just want to take control of my destiny any way I can. And art's always been something that I could do, not in my sleep, but it was just like a gift. I never went to school for it. I could always make an extra $100, $200. When I was young, I used to paint people's skates. We used to go to Elmwood and I used to like come with the dopest skates and people would be like, yo, I need my skates done. I'm from South Philly. I want South Philly on the side. I'm from North Philly. I want North Philly on the side. So it started like that and then it just went into clothes and things like that. Cultural those stuff. are collector's items now, whoever has those skates. Hold on to those skates. I don't know. That was a long time ago. You never know because you've also teamed up with celebrities. You've teamed up with national brands, Mercedes-Benz and China and going on tour and you've created murals yourself. 
But I'm curious, even before that, before the t-shirt making, before basketball, like when you were younger, I saw an article that you were painting the walls in your home, like your parents allowed that. Tell us about that. Did you show them a piece and then said, hey, I want to go bigger? How did you make that transition? I have a six-year-old, so I need to understand. (laughs) You let Ryan paint on the walls before we let him answer? Absolutely not. He tapes large pieces of posters (laughs) together to get larger, but that's all we're going so far. <laughs> right. My mom was the same way, right? So for some reason, I don't know. I remember being five or six years old and I'm just writing on my walls. I didn't start painting. I didn't have any paints or anything like that. So I had markers, crayons, all stuff like that. So every day I would write different things on my walls. I don't remember exactly what I was writing. Wait, wait. Behind like, your bed, you were hiding or you straight up did it on the wall and your parents were like, wow. Yeah, I did it on the walls. And after that, I got multiple beatings. I wanted to ask that yeah. question. Oh, dang. You your butt beating? <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. So I had major sit downs, timeouts, beatings, all kinds of stuff, right? It got to the point where she was repainting my walls like every week after the beatings. And then I still was kind of like trying to write stuff really small and then put like sneaker boxes and toys in front of it. She's like, yo, you still writing on this wall? Like, what is with you with this wall? And I'm just like, mom, I just feel like this is my room. And it shouldn't look like everybody else's room. You know what I mean? As a kid, just talking, right? So she was just like, like you know what? I'm going to let you write on your walls, but you can't touch the kitchen. You can't touch the living room. Nothing else in this house. Do you understand me? And I'm like, yo, if you let me just do my room, I'm good. Right. So I think that was one of the things that opened up my creativity when my mom let me just be free inside of my room. That was the one thing as a kid that opened up the floodgates for my creativity. Let me ask you this, because there's a part in your story when you talk about JP a lot, may he rest in paradise. But one of my favorite stories that you tell about him is when he told you not to be regular, which I like to tell people as a proud weirdo all the time. Can you tell this story? I'm glad this is a Philly podcast, right? So yep, yep. from Philly, it's like, it's not a whole lot to aspire to unless you're just put around those people. So all my friends was like, dudes that wanted to party all day. It was just the regular West Philly inner city type stuff. I felt as though if I was working a job, I was staying out of trouble. I wasn't calling my mom to bail me out of jail and all this other crazy stuff that I've seen every day. I felt like I was cool. Like I was doing it right. But JP was the one person that was like, bro, you bigger than a nine to five, man. Like, I think you can like be like amazing at anything. He was the, one of the only people that was really close to me that came in my house and seen all this work that I was working on in the basement and art all over my mom's house and stuff like that. So he would be like, bro, this not regular. So JP was from Mount Airy, but he moved to West Philly when he was maybe 11. So he was way cultured than all of my other friends. His family was Quakers. His grandmother yeah. was a hawk. Mount Airy all day. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So he came to West Philly talking like he only kid I knew that played tennis. He was like Bill Cosby sweaters. He was totally different to everybody that I knew. Right. He knew about art galleries. He went to museums and all these other different things that I never went to until I was 17, 18, 19, 20 or something like that. So Mm -hmm. he used to be seeing this work and he's like, bro, this is crazy. And I'm just like, "Uh, this is just what I do. I'm not thinking about ever being an artist. I've never seen at that point, no black artists, every artist that I've not even I didn't know about Basquiat until social media and people were saying yo this looked like Basquiat to the point I had to go look this ball up because everybody was saying yo this is Basquiat this looks Basquiat I'm like who the hell is Basquiat you know what I'm saying I had no early education on anything art other than like Picasso all the greats that people Mm -hmm. talked about what turned me off about that was they were already dead so it was like 
I ain't really trying to pursue something when you get lit when you die. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it was just a big cloud. But JP was the one person that literally opened my eyes to the stuff that I was doing and let me know that I could take it way past Philadelphia, way past selling stuff at First Fridays. And he's the first person that wow. made me sell, sell my stuff at First Fridays. He was like, oh, you got to go down to First Fridays because he was the guy that was eating at Budokan and stuff like that. When I was just like, <laughs> I go to Budokan to order chicken fingers. And he like, bro, you can't, they don't got chicken fingers. So I was so hood. Why do you? I think he like, took such an interest in you. Bro, I don't know. I, I I literally don't know. It had to be like some type of heaven sent because I had a billion friends. And a lot of my friends always loved my art. They bought my t-shirts. They all supported me, but they didn't see anything past the environment that we was in. He did. They hadn't so, seen anything. He's seen it. That's why. It even came down to the point where when I was kind of like doubting myself at first Fridays, where it's like, bro, I don't feel like standing outside and selling art. I look corny if I'm out there trying to sell a painting. What if somebody don't like it? I was all in my head, right? And he's just like, bro, you got the million-dollar smile. Come on, bro. Just go down there one time for me. So I put all my artwork in the car, and I think that day I sold like two or three pieces. And he called me two hours later, like, how it go? I was like, bro, I made like $500. He was like, bro, I told you, you got to be down there and claim your spot every time. And yeah. I'm just like, people from the gallery would see me outside talking to people and like exchange their money to the point where they're like, well, who, who, who is this? this? Yeah. Uh, me, I represent me. You know what I'm saying? They was just like, well, you don't have anybody that, no manager or nothing. And so I was just so green to the whole art, everything, but the one thing that Philly definitely gave me was that ambition to not really care about nothing unless it was life-threatening. You know what I'm saying? If mm. it wasn't life-threatening. What's the was- first smart decision that you made with your art? Like, what's the first, you go back and you think this was the first smart decision I made as far as my art and my business? I would go back to, like, buying T-shirts and just learning that that whole flipping your money positively. Okay. Me starting off with maybe $40 and going to go to Fifth and Island to go get a bundle of T-shirts for $20. So I just reinvested in myself at the smallest level. That just got me to like understand business somewhat. The first time I made some money, like everybody, you know, you want to go get some Jordans or a cool sweatsuit or something. And I was literally like, nah, I got to get more paint. I got to get more canvases. I got to get more of this. I got to get more T-shirts. So I think that was it. Take an initiative to like really try to do something with my art. Yes. Hey, Saladin, you said that before you got into this game, you didn't know that you can make money in this way, especially in Philly. Now that you've come back to Philly and you know, you know, have you noticed the part that Philadelphia plays in the art game now? Do you see the value in Philly in the art world now that you're in it? I've always seen the value of Philadelphia art. Just walking through the different neighborhoods, playing basketball, I've been all over the city at a young age. It's like the biggest mural city in the country. I just didn't know how to connect with that if I wasn't a part of going to art school as a kid or knowing people in the mural arts program and things like that. I remember years ago calling the mural arts and just doing everything totally wrong, but I was just like, I just got to figure it out. So yeah. now being me like going out of Philly to get myself bigger, because it didn't happen like that. It was literally like me just wanting to get outside of Philly when JP passed away. I just needed to get out of the environment and try to figure out myself outside of Philadelphia. So my cousin let me sleep on his couch in Miami two years. Oh, you know that's right. Art Basel. You did those amazing cars, the Porsches or something during Miami Art Week? Yeah, so... I've been creating on different supercars since like 2017. So we've done over 25 supercars. That's one of the things that got my name in the art world because I was doing so many unconventional things. We like to ask all of our guests, what does love and grit mean to them as it relates to Philadelphia? Mm. Well, grit is definitely Philly. 
city of brotherly love. So I would say tough love, the city of tough love, because there's definitely love here. But it's like you got to get through barriers to like get to that point. Most of my best friends that I grew up with, we started off fighting. I remember like me some too. of my best friends got rest their souls. It started with me walking to the barbershop, me having curly hair and them chasing me to the point where it was like, I didn't run one day and I fought like four of them. One of those guys come and knock on my grandmom's door and just like, yo, come outside, man. And I'm just like thinking they try to fight again. And he was literally like, no, man, we ain't, ain't going to fight you no more, man. You cool now, man. You cool. And I'm just thinking like, yo, what is going on? That's like silly. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like, those are people that was my closest friends before they passed away. That's the grit love of Philadelphia. This is just a blessing, yo, because it's like, I don't have no blueprint. I just jumped out there. And when the opportunity presents itself, even if I don't yeah. know I can do it. You're going to say you can do it. Gonna gonna say say you can do it. it. Yes. yes. I'm Philly. Yeah. So there's a new Broadway play in town that's kicking off its tour right here in Philadelphia for all kinds of synergetic reasons. It's the latest revival of 1776, a musical about the founding fathers debating the Declaration of Independence. But wait, there's more. All the founding fathers in this revival are played by an uber diverse and talented group of women. You heard it right, all women. A group that wasn't even considered at the time of the actual historic debate. So you know this is gonna be good. Welcome to Love and Grid, one of the stars of 1776 and one of UART's proudest alumni, Tiffany Barber. So tell us about the show you're bringing to Philly. Well, 1776, it's actually the fact that we, we know are that number there. here. Yeah, right? I, I think you guys have a little bit of a uh, knowledge about 1776 yeah. in there. So folks and were the free. The fact that it's coming there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so right. So <laughs> we do address that in the show. That is for good, sure. Good. Um, but it definitely is something about being down there at finally taking the show. You know, we started this two years ago. We were supposed to start two years ago. It was going to be at in Cambridge and then we were going to be on Broadway and then we were going to start the tour and it was going to end in D.C. around inauguration time, which was already Perfect. like, what? During that time, we thought the show was relevant. And now, who would have thought two years later? It's even more relevant, probably, unfortunately. But absolutely. So to start the tour off in Philly, I mean, that's where we're opening, really. The tour is pretty special having it there. You skipped a part. So, of course, the history is important, but something about your cast is extremely important. And this is coming from the Chief Innovation and Global Diversity Officer. So tell us oh, a little bit more about the cast. <laughs> well, you definitely nailed that. It's <laughs> comprised of gender fluidity and non-binary and female identifying, culturally diverse, BIPOC. I definitely have never seen casting of this nature in any show where it's just a hodgepodge of the world we live in now. But, you know, the fact that John Adams and Ben Franklin are being played by Black women is pretty astounding and definitely unlike anything that anybody's ever seen in those historical figures. And the words just come out differently because of those women playing those parts and other people in the show from all backgrounds and cultural voices that make the show more and with the same words like we have changed nothing so all those people who knew the show from 1969 i was about to say say they say they didn't tiffany like if they didn't yeah so it takes over about three weeks from the end of june up until july 4th so it's it takes place over that time period when They were negotiating. They were talking about breaking away from Britain and how some people were for it. Some people were against it. 
most of the the congressmen kind of agreed that they needed to possibly get away from Britain. But obviously there were provisions, you know, and the South wanted to keep slavery and the North wanted to keep, you know, add religion. And so it takes place over that time of about three to four weeks. And they write the Declaration of Independence. Is there a scene that you uh, is one of your favorites? Actually, it was a scene that we all kind of poo-pooed at the beginning. <laughs> uh, it's a famous scene in musical theater history. And this is going to sound really bad at first because you're going to be like, oh, God. But it is the longest scene in musical theater history without a song. But at the same time, it goes very fast. But that, what does that even mean? It could be like two minutes because you said musical theater history. So technically. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but this scene is probably about 20 to 25 minutes. And that is the big debate. At first, when we first started to tackle it, it was like, what is this is so long? You know, when are we going to? But now it's kind of become a lot of our favorites because it's really the meat of what they really get into to get to. We all know how it ends. Obviously, we're all here. You went to school out here, right? Yeah, I went to University of the Arts. One other cast member, Saf Sosa, also went to University of the Arts. Oh, and nice. So that's pretty fun. I still have friends there that I go to visit here and there, and we're still pretty close college buddies, a couple of us. Before the pandemic, I did a play at Philadelphia Theater Company oh, okay. um, called How to Catch Creation there in like 2019. Does it feel good to be back? And what is that like for you? Yes. I mean, Philly, obviously, like I said, I left school there in 1995. So times have definitely changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh yeah. New names to <laughs> areas time. and neighborhoods. You're I like, what mean, is that? What is that neighborhood? Right. Pine who? Northwest? Center? This is a good time then as you get reacclimated to test your Philly trivia. Hold up. Let me ask a qualifying question. When you went to the University of the Arts, were you the Baltimore student that stayed for the weekends? Or did you go back home? Oh, I stayed for the weekends. Okay, she's ready. She's qualified. <laughs> yes, qualified. Okay. <laughs> What's the name of Philadelphia's first statue of an African-American civil rights activist? Martin Luther King Jr., Cecil B. Moore, or Octavius Cotto? Mm. I'll tell you Ooh, this. It's located you- on the apron of City Hall. Okay, I'm thinking what is that. What is the apron of City Hall? It's just- also, it's that area around. <laughs> I know. I got you. Octavius? Correct, correct, correct. Uh, okay, all right. I'll hey, always go with the name you don't recognize. Good for you. Baby. <laughs> baby. I'm just going to ask my own off the top of the head. I have a two-part question for you, Tiffany. Number one, where is the <laughs> best place to get a cheesesteak? And oh. part B, where is the best place to get a chicken cheesesteak? And right. go. I don't know because I was very, believe me, my freshman 15 did encompass a lot of that. And the pretzel, that Philly pretzel is like nobody's business. Oh, God. That pretzel is stupid. It really is. But I don't know if it's still around, but we still have this place on South Street called Ishkabibble. You better. Uh, Right answer. Dustin, what are you doing? What is that noise you're making? I mean, that's the place you talk about all the time. That's right. Because it's the best place to get that for the chicken cheesesteak, right? That's right, the chicken cheesesteak spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, they have two now on the same block to Ishkabibbles. Oh, go ahead. Why you tell me? Why did you tell me that? Don't you know have that. to go when you're here. Come on, come on. Oh, believe me, I have plans. What are your plans? Uh, Do you have like food plans, specific things that you want to eat when you're here? Well, luckily, like I said, I have my friends that still live in that area because when I was down there, people didn't even live past Bainbridge, you know. Right. So I know there's so many other places now that I have no idea about. So I'm excited to be down there. Oh, my God. Them. 
as people who live there and try it. Even just when I was there just those couple of years ago, the food scene is top has really, really come a long way. We like to ask all of our guests, what does love and grit mean to them as it relates to Philadelphia? But in this case, as it relates to history, the play, your experiences, you can take that how you want. Well, to me, I think it's how I've tried to navigate my acting career by doing so many different kinds of shows. I've done shows outside. I've done shows on a pier. I've done shows in the dead heat of a summer in the East Coast with humidity and coming out of Philly in school and learning. I did a little tour of traveling around the Northeast Coast, going to schools, and we would set up the set ourselves. So I definitely feel love for what I do and the pain and, you know, not the not so great times, but keeping going is definitely how I feel love and grit for me as an actor that has gotten me where I am. And it's still in there because it's not easy. We go for a while and the pandemic definitely proved that. Before we go, Tiffany, tell us when and where we can see 1776 and you in Philadelphia. We open February. Oh, Valentine's Day. Hey, February 14th at the Forest Theater. And we will be there until the 26th. We do eight shows a week. Yeah, we're we're all really looking forward to it, especially in these big cities where we know that we're going to get the kinds of audiences that are going to really appreciate who we are as a diverse cast Mm -hmm. and the message we're trying to get out through these voices and to be there. I think we're going to try and get a picture down at Independence Hall. We're we're trying to work that out. (laughs) We're trying to work that out as our characters, which would be so very cool. Yo, by the way, (laughs) Tiffany, don't forget before you come, make sure you go to Visit Philly's website and kind of do a list of all the things you want to do or at least to eat get the eat list because it's I a lot it's overwhelming oh, I okay i trust yeah. i believe you thanks for listening if you have a second we really would appreciate if you would rate and review us rachel please give your usual only if you have something nice to say and make sure you tell a friend we appreciate it we appreciate you listening and you can find us on social media at love grit philly we'll talk to you next time i love your closing except for that shut up right like you've done that so far (laughs) 